Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love trading and drafting and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 155. Man, just another week in review for us here. NFL week three was a blast. Uh, There were really some fun finishes to games, including two game-winning kicks from fellow Austinites like myself, Justin Tucker from Austin and Mason Crosby from Georgetown just outside of Austin. There are a few big upsets and surprises on Sunday too, so it was just a really fun week to watch football as a football fan. It was not a great week for me to watch from a fantasy standpoint, though. I did have a terrible week, personally. My team's finished 3-7, and unless there's a miracle I'm recording on Monday uh, instead of on Tuesday morning. I like normal because I'm heading on vacation. 20th anniversary uh, starts tomorrow, so recording here on Monday. I believe my teams are going to be 3-7. and Pretty brutal. But like I say to you every week, like I remind myself every week, uh, win or lose, it's just a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on our teams, so... Here's what I'm going to do this week, just give you again like I do, do during the weekend review, give you top 10 observations, give you a couple people I'm interested in on the waiver wire, and then I'll talk about some of the trades that went down in my league. So we're going to start here with 10 observations. Number one, uh, Carolina's narrow offense. Carolina did take care of the Texans on uh, Thursday night uh, to remain undefeated for the season and under the leadership of their new quarterback, uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, Donald's consistent play to the start of the season is helping his team, but it's only elevating the fantasy value of two players, I've noticed, Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. I noticed particularly watching Thursday night that Darnold almost always targeted his first read, and Moore was his first read on most of those plays. Moore had 12 targets, while the rest of Carolina's receivers saw a combined eight targets. And that's the story for the whole season so far. It's been like that, making it impossible to start Robbie Anderson anymore and holding down the upside of the very talented rookie, Terrace Marshall, which we all hoped that we'd see more of. Anderson is actually one of my most rostered players, and I started him in every league last week, but I'm not going to do it any longer. Uh, Even if people think that his targets are going to increase because because of Christian McCaffrey's injury, the only other player that targets is Christian McCaffrey. Sadly, uh, after 23 and 22-point weeks, McCaffrey left the game with a hamstring injury Thursday night, and after the injury, Chuba Hubbard became Darnold's next most targeted player. And I assume they're just going to continue with this pattern. It's just more or it's the running back. So it's going to be more and Hubbard until McCaffrey gets back. Then it's going to be more and McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey's return will hopefully be sooner than later. But in the meantime, it's Hubbard that's going to you know, take advantage of it. I just feel like Darnold's a very limited quarterback. And the Panthers uh, coaching staff is just not asking him to do more than he's able to do. He locks into his first read and that's about it. It's possible that he can improve or that defenses are going to catch on and make things more difficult for him. Uh, But I'm not going to believe that he can do it until I can actually see it with my own eyes. Next uh, observation, number two, is Buffalo's offense is back. After a pretty poor start to the season, uh, Josh Allen and the Bills returned to last year's form this week. Allen appeared to regress and kind of come back to his old erratic self in weeks one and two with completion percentages of 59% and 52%. But this week, he was back up to 74%, and he scored five touchdowns, four in the air, one on the ground. 
Emmanuel Sanders had his first breakout game with two touchdowns, and Cole Peasley led the team in targets and catches with 13 and 11, respectively. Uh, Stephon Diggs, however, did not get the benefit from Josh Allen's performance as he did so often last year. Diggs has really had a slow start to the season, and after being the most targeted wide receiver in the league uh, last year, and sadly, I think that this addition of, of Emmanuel Sanders is really going to harm Diggs' production this season. Uh, he'll have you know his share of weak-winning fantasy games. No doubt that will happen. But I think his lack of consistency is what he's going to have. Like last year, he was so consistent. The good news, though, is that the Bills' offense looks back to their 2020 season form, uh, which really raises the tide of all the pass catchers, including Dustin Knox, who had a, has a, had a touchdown in each of the last two weeks. I'm really excited about Knox's growing role in the offense. I'm uh, happy to have him kind of as a developmental tight end on my rosters with a chance to become a really reliable starter by the end of the season. Third observation was that the Giants laid an egg. Uh, just when you thought you could trust Daniel Jones in the Giants offense at home against Atlanta's 27th ranked passing defense, they lay an egg. Thankfully, Saquon Barkley returned with a full workload this week and he scored his first touchdown of the season. But the Giants' passing game was awful. Uh, I started Daniel Jones in two leagues this week, and I lost both of them because he lost all of his weapons. Kenny Galladay was on a pitch count after the hip injury that he was working through last week. Sterling Shepard uh, was, was hot out of the gates, and but he's often injured, just like I said last year, last week's podcast, that he's going to get injured, and sure enough, he did. Then Darius Slayton left the game with inju- injury also. I think Jones' the only options were to check downs to Barkley, who actually ended up being his top target on Sunday. Uh, in addition to the backups that came in. More on them in a little bit. Uh, Galladay ended up having to play, and he did have the best day of the wide receivers, but it was still a very, very unimpressive performance. Like I said last week, Sterling Shepard is the only reliable pass catcher on this team until he gets injured, and he did this week. Dang. He is in four of my starting lineups this week, which is another reason why I lost so many games this week. It comes with the ter- territory of having Sterling Shepard or trusting and the darn Giants and Daniel Jones. Next thing I'll mention is Matt Nagy is going to be the first coach to lose his job. So speaking of bad offenses, uh, Matt Nagy will be the first coach to lose his job, I think, this season. The Bears under Nagy and the rookie quarterback Justin Fields, who was making his first NFL start, mind you, managed only six first downs and a total of 47 yards in their defeat to the Browns. Uh, Fields' debut was terrible. He was sacked nine times. He only completed six passes. You know, everyone who thought that Fields was going to be kind of a cheap chalk quarterback in DFS this week got burned by it. And I just blame Nagy for all of it. He was brought to Chicago uh, from the Andy Reid coaching tree to improve the Bears' offense, but he's not been able to do so. The one game they won this year was really just on the back of their defenses that, you know, they forced three turnovers in that game. The Bears' offense is just pathetic. Uh, holding down the dynasty value of great players like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery. Nagy's only hope in keeping his job is Justin Fields, yet he insisted on starting Andy Dalton over him to start the season. I'm tired of the Bears, and I'm grateful. I was looking at it this week. I'm grateful. I don't have a single Bear on my dynasty rosters, which is pretty incredible. I'm happy about that right now. Nagy needs to go. Observation number five. Rookie quarterbacks are struggling. Uh, Fields wasn't the only uh, rookie quarterback to struggle on Sunday. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, they all had bad days and have not looked good really at all to start the season. Together uh, on Sunday, they combined to throw seven interceptions, and their team scored a total of 25 offensive points. Um, I'm confident that these rookie quarterbacks are going to improve. 
um, and I've yet to move them down my dynasty rankings, but this season's going to be a pretty rough ride, and they're going to have a hard time elevating the dynasty value of their targets this season. Uh, when setting start, starting lineups this season, uh, players on each of these teams have to take a hit. I know on my teams, I've yet to start LaVisca Chenault or Marvin Jones. I've also not started Jacoby Myers or Johnny Smith yet. Unfortunately, I started James White this week, another player that I lost in the first quarter to an injury and looks like maybe in season ending. I have started Damian Harris, I think, one time this season. Um, and then when it comes to the Jets, I, I don't have any uh, shares of Corey Davis, but he's probably the only player that I believe I would start uh, because he's looked pretty good. I mean, he hasn't, even though he hasn't looked good except from week one, he still is the top target uh, getter there for the Jets. But other than that, it's like all the players on these teams are going down and not very reliable, and they get a ding, a ding, ding or a knock against them when it comes to setting starting lineups this season. They're going to improve, but for this year, it's kind of bringing everything down. I think observation number six here is Baltimore's offensive uh, changes. Uh, Baltimore gave all the signs this offseason they intended to pass the ball more uh, than they did in previous seasons. Uh, they need more balance if they're going to try to compete you know, with the likes of the Chiefs and the AFC. Uh, Lamar Jackson has passed the ball 30, uh, 26, and 31 times in the last three weeks, of this, uh, you know, first three weeks of the season, whereas he only averaged 22 pass attempts per game last season. So it's already up. Losing their two top running backs uh, to injury is undoubtedly a factor in the offensive changes, but it's certainly not the only reason. Uh, Jackson has had, had several beautifully thrown passes on Sunday. If Marquise Brown uh, had not dropped three perfectly thrown balls, Jackson would have had three passing touchdowns instead of just the one. Uh, Brown, while he's healthy, another guy that gets injured a lot, is an every-week starter, and his dynasty value is on the rise because the offense is changing to be a little bit more uh, pass-heavy. I'm very excited to see what Rashad Bateman will do once he's healthy and able to make his NFL debut. Uh, Bateman was my top-ranked rookie wide receiver before the NFL draft last year, but I moved him down a few spots after Baltimore drafted him just because of their offensive scheme and inaccurate quarterback overall. But Baltimore drafted Bateman because they wanted the scheme to change, and I think he's going to help them do it even more and maybe even faster than they realize. I'd like to see these changes in Baltimore. It's good news for fantasy. Next thing I'll say is uh, no trustworthy Falcons. Uh, the Falcons found a way to beat the injury-riddled Giants on Sunday, but they sure look terrible in doing it. Man, it's so frustrating because for years, Atlanta has been one of the most potent offenses in the league, making their skilled position players every week starters on fantasy rosters. Um, but this year, under new coach Arthur Smith, uh, the offense is just pathetic. Matt Ryan used to unleash the deep ball more than most quarterbacks, but this year he has the lowest ADOT of any starting quarterback in the NFL, 4.31. That's pathetic. I don't think it's a matter of Ryan's arm strength or ability, like I do with Roethlisberger, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it's a matter of Smith's offense or play calling right now, I think. Calvin Ridley has had plenty of receptions, 5 and 7 and 8 of the first three weeks of the season, but he's only got 51, 63, and 61 yards. That's 8.8 yards per catch, uh, where Ridley averaged 15.3 yards per catch last season. You can sit. Uh, you can't sit Calvin Ridley. He's too good, but, but things need to change. You can't expect anything like you used to from him. And as for Kyle Pitts, uh, he's still a, you know, a top-tier dynasty tight end, but he's not helping dynasty teams this season so far. And there are you know, up to like 10 tight ends that I'd start ahead of him at this point for this season. Atlanta looks pretty pathetic. Next uh, point is that Arizona's balanced passing attack. Uh, Arizona's offense is cooking, and they are one of the five undefeated teams in the NFL. The only problem for dynasty managers is that they're distributing the ball so evenly. Uh, Kyler Murray is obviously an every-week starter, no kidding, uh, but his teammates are far less reliable, even DeAndre Hopkins, unfortunately. 
A different wide receiver has led the team in yards each of the first three weeks of the season. DeAndre Hopkins week one, Rondell Moore week two, AJ Green week three. And this week I actually benched Hopkins in my leagues since he was a game time decision because of his injury, and I'm lucky that I did. Uh, he only had three catches for 21 yards, even though he played 61 out of the 67 snaps. I can't bench Hopkins when he's healthy, uh, but I have far fewer expectations of him now that the Cardinals continue to distribute the ball the way they do. Uh, Rondell Moore just had two catches for one yard this week after his seven-catch, one-touchdown, 114-yard day last week. I think Cardinal wide receivers are going to be a problem for dynasty managers who need consistency in their lineups. At least the running back roles are pretty clear. Chase Edmonds, the passing down back. James White, the short yardage and goal line back. Uh, Edmonds provided that kind of consistent floor for teams in PPR leagues, while Connor is just the touchdown or bust type of player. Uh, Arizona is looking good to watch, but they're not helping uh, fantasy teams with the consistency that they once had. Now we'll go to Roethlisberger. Uh, Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger is just washed up. Uh, Roth, Roethlisberger. I don't know I'm having a hard time saying that today. He compiled... A lot of yards and a comeback attempt, but he looked really awful doing it. I think Ben just lacks the strength and surprising, you know, surprising mobility that he used to have as a big guy. Uh, that used to be the what you know helped him extend plays, and it just appears that he doesn't have that anymore. And his arm strength appears to be a problem this season too. Most of his yards on Sunday uh, came from constant checkdowns. Uh, his leading receiver, we always say leading pass catcher, was Najee Harris, who had a fantastic day with 14 catches and 104 yards. And then, strangely, the strangest thing with a game on the line on a fourth and long play, Ben just threw like a little screen pass for one yard, and the game was over. Uh, something's wrong with Ben. I think he and the Steelers uh, may regret him coming back for one more season. It would be hard to believe that the Steelers, uh, Ben's only team, would bench him for Mason Rudolph, uh, who's not looked good when he started games. But I could see the, we'll just call, quote the injury card, being played uh, by the team or even by Ben just to save some face in the situation. And that's bad news for everyone on the Steelers' offense. I don't know if things are going to improve there. And finally, my 10th observation is I'll call this early surprise standings. So only five teams are 3-0, and and some of them are real surprises, like uh, the Raiders and the Broncos and the Panthers, uh, undefeated on top of their divisions. And then there's the Rams and the Cardinals that are also 3-0, and uh, both in the same strong division. Uh, there are some surprising teams, too, that are on the bottom of their divisions. The Colts are 0-3 at the bottom of their terrible division. Seattle's 1-2 at the bottom of their very strong division. And the Chiefs are surprisingly the worst team in their division at 1-2, with two 3-0 teams ahead of them with Denver and Las Vegas. I mentioned the standings here just to point out that the same can be true in our dynasty leagues right now, right? My The best roster among all of my teams, the best one, I think one I like the most, is 0-3 this season. It's so bad. And then my weakest roster is now 3-0. Fantasy football is a cruel game sometimes. Um, just remember, it's a long season. There's plenty of time to come back in leagues where you're behind, and there's plenty of time to see your 3-0 teams uh, fall apart. Uh, the injuries, particularly this week, it feels like, are really starting to pile up, and rosters are going to change. So it's not time to panic. Stay the course. Be patient. Let the cream rise to the top. You can still be in it, and don't get cocky, too, because you could still crumble. Let's talk just a bit about the waiver wire. Um, as a reminder, I play in 27 to 30 man rostered leagues, so the players that I list here are for deep leagues only. If you play in a shallower league, there are certainly better players to pick up off the waiver wire, but if you're in a true deep dynasty league like I am, uh, these are the players that I would make bids on this week. It's a, it's a decent week. There's some interesting interesting players here. I'll give you my top, top five. Uh, first one is Tyler Conklin. On Sunday, Conklin was heavily involved in the passing game with eight targets, seven receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. 
And like almost all tight ends, his production will be sporadic. Uh, but he's startable. Yeah, I think he's really a startable tight end if you don't have one of the top five you know, tight ends in, in Dynasty right now. Um, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, Minnesota's offense is really on the rise. And everything that Dynasty managers hoped for him to see in Irv Smith's this season before he got hurt, they could see the same in Conklin, uh, who Irv Smith could not thoroughly beat out for playing time last season. It's uh, This is probably more you know a move for this season than it is for the future from a Dynasty perspective, but Conklin would be my first priority this week, particularly on uh, tight end needy teams. Next guy I'd consider is Peyton Barber. Um, I actually picked up Barber in a 14-team league two weeks ago when Coach Gruden proclaimed that he was going to be the starter ahead of Kenyon Drake when Josh Jacobs was injured. Um, and he did get more carries than Drake that week. And this past Sunday, he got 23 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. Um, Barber is just an average back for sure, but historically, he's had fantasy flashpoints on the teams that he's been on. Uh, he, his role is secure, is secure for now as long as Jacob is injured. And Jacob does miss a lot of time to, to injuries. So for now, he's a startable player when the matchups are favorable and Jacobs is not playing. Next player I'd consider is Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Bourne paid, played 55 snaps. He was a real active part of the offense on Sunday. He had an excellent touchdown grab of 90 and 96 yards receiving. Um, he got more targets than Nelson Aguilar, even though Aguilar played more snaps than him. Uh, there's room for someone to step up in this Patriots team to become the wide receiver too, uh, just behind Jacoby Myers. Uh, Bourne may have taken that first step in that direction, and there's also the fact that James White is likely lost for the season, and his six target per game, the, you know, games that he had the first in weeks one and two, those targets have to go to someone. Why not Bourne? Uh, he beats someone I'd consider. Two more here. Colin Johnson would be the next one. Uh, Johnson actually led the Giants receivers in targets after Shepard and Slayton were lost to injury. Johnson really has the size and the pedigree. Hook him horns. He's a UT Longhorn. Uh, he's got the size and the pedigree to be a starting wide receiver for in the NFL. I was actually really surprised that he was cut by the Jaguars this offseason just before they you know, made their final cuts. Well, when they did, the Giants were quick to pick him up and sign him. And for now, he, uh, he's the first one to see playing time off the bench. I think it's going to be hard for him to get playing time uh, when everyone's healthy. Uh, but he's going to have a chance to earn the team's trust these next few weeks while, while these lingering injuries happen to the wide receivers on the Giants. And finally, the last guy is uh, Nick Westbrook Eichheim. <laughs> I have to admit that I did not know who this guy was, but he was the leading receiver on the Titans on Sunday while A.J. Brown and Julio Jones watched from the sidelines. Another brutal thing. I've got Jones and Brown in several leagues, and gosh, I hate, I hate their lingering injuries. So annoying. Well, on Sunday, Tannehill spread the ball around to 11 players in their, in their win, and it was Westbrook Elkine that got the most receptions before. Uh, he's a second-year player, so he's got youth on his side. Uh, he must be the player the team likes over Josh Reynolds, who was a surprise scratch this week. Um, I'd only add him in the deepest of leagues, and I've already added him, though, on the scout to the scout team of all of my leagues. Interesting uh, prospect for him. Now let's talk some trades. Let's close out just by talking with trades. There were three trades that took place in my leagues. As a saver week, you know, trades are hard to grade in a vacuum uh, since scoring systems are different and different, you know, people are doing different things because they have different roster construction, different goals. That's why, you know, just grading a trade that you just see on paper um, is really hard to know because you don't know what the what the owners are were trying to do. And so what I like to do is provide a little context by telling you what I think the teams are trying to do in my leagues. First trade that went down was uh, Daryl Henderson in a 2022 second round pick for Cortland Sutton. So Cortland Sutton for Daryl Henderson and a 22 second round pick. Now, this trade was made between two 2-0 teams, uh, but one, in my opinion, has a much stronger roster. 
the team that the team that traded for Henderson is really weak at running back and has Sony Michelle on his roster, so I think he just aimed to shore up the Rams' backfield for the season. And then the team that gave up Henderson is decent at running back, but needs needs a little bit of depth at wide receiver, especially since some of his startable wide receivers are injured. Um, I see what each person was trying to do here with their other teams, but I I much prefer the Sutton side of this trade. Uh, Henderson already can't stay healthy, and Sutton, though he's recovering from his ACL surgery. I think he's just going to have a much longer and healthier career than Henderson, plus Cam Akers' factor. Uh, he, he can come back and be the starter next year ahead of Henderson, uh, particularly if he's able to come back from that Achilles injury. Good job for the Sutton one on that one. This next one's a huge trade that, that is going to be a little crazy to describe. Javante Williams was traded for Corey Davis, Brian Edwards, Robert Tunyon, Elijah Mitchell, Naheem Hines, and a 22-second round pick. If this trade was one of the biggest I've ever seen, at least the most amount of players that I've seen traded for one player. Yeah, the team that traded for Williams is the defending champion, and he does have a very stacked team, uh, scoring almost 40 points a game more than the second highest scoring team in the league right now. Uh, the team that took the package deal has one of the worst rosters I've ever seen on a dynasty roster. Uh, to give you an idea how, how bad his team was, the players that he dropped to make room for this trade were Alan Lazar, David Njoku, Benny Snell, and Justice Hill. I think that both teams... Did fairly well in this trade and what they were trying to do, but I believe that the champ uh, gave up too much for this just one player. Uh, Brian Edwards is essentially a rookie this season since he didn't play last year, and he's beginning to make an impact on the Raiders. Uh, Corey Davis is the best receiver on his team, and I think he's going to have time to improve with Zach Wilson as he continues to improve. Tunyon, uh, he may maintain his dynasty value um, if Rodgers does not get a new, con- you know, gets a new contract with Green Bay, but if not. Uh, he might fall you know, pretty significantly in his value, but right now at least he's top 12 tight end for the time being with Rodgers there. And when it comes to Elijah Mitchell and Naheem Hines, I think they're both good depth, pe- depth pieces. I like Javante Williams, and I really think he's going to be the leading running back for Denver next year. He's definitely the best player in this deal. But I think that, that Champ sacrificed a much-needed roster depth and that he would really do him better to sustain his team in the long run. But we'll let the time... We'll let time uh, prove it out. One more trade that I'll talk about. Uh, Tom Brady and Chase Edmonds were traded for Josh Jacobs. So just two two for one. Tom Brady, Chase Edmonds for Josh Jacobs. This trade took place in a one-quarterback league. You need to know that to start with. Uh, the team that traded for uh, Tom Brady was desperate for quarterbacks since his roster's quarterbacks were Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, and Ben Roethlisberger. So he was, he was desperate to try to find a quarterback and compete this season. Um, so he knew he needed it. And then the manager that had uh, Tom Brady and was willing to give him away, he was willing to because he has Kyler Murray as a starter. And so he was more willing to give away an elder quarterback uh, and Edmonds, who will likely never see his starting lineup in this case. Josh Jacobs, on the other hand, once healthy, I think he will immediately start for this manager's team uh, for this year. So it's a no-brainer trade, you know, to trade two non-starters for a starter. Um, so I like the Jacobs side, uh, you know, from the, this year. But I also like the Jacobs side of this trade long-term, too, uh, even though I'm not as high on Jacobs as most analysts. I like Josh Jacobs over Tom Brady and Chase Edmonds. All right, week three is in the books, and I'm off to my 20th anniversary trip. Well, I say that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so contact me that way. I would love to interact with you. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. 
Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.